the phrase, everything exists to lift you up. And that just about says it in a nutshell, doesn't doesn't it? Everything that was created was created for the unique purpose of lifting up God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we want to do here this morning. Along with Kevin, I want to wish all the dads in here a happy Father's Day, and there are many of them. Uh, may, be this, may this be the year of God's blessing and bounty and many grilled steaks upon you, fathers. So this morning I do want to talk about fatherhood and I want to talk about the place of, of fatherhood in what I've entitled the character building school of God. So I want to talk about first, because I have to, I need to talk a little bit about um, the job or the tasks that God has given fathers to raise their children up and to conform them to the image of Christ, to instill biblical characteristics in them. But then I'm going to transition into another area, because as dads work hard and diligently serving God to form godly characteristics in their children, something else is taking place. And that something else is that God is forming godly characteristics in dad as dad forms godly characteristics in his children. So fatherhood is a is an excellent school to attend in order to become more like Christ. But first, God has given fathers the task of, of course, the familiar passage in Ephesians Raising your children in the admonition and instruction of your Lord, of the Lord. That is a topic that we turn to many times on Father's Day. And it's a very important admonition to fathers. And as you think about that, what are, what are we really trying to accomplish? Well, we are charged by God to raise our children and train our children to be Christian before really they're actually Christian. In the hopes that they will transition right into making God their personal savior. So before God is our children's personal savior, whenever that moment may come, it is our job to teach them the truth, to train them. This is what it means to serve God. This is what God looks like. And this is right. And this is wrong. All the time we're training them to be servants of the king in the hopes that the day will come when they really embrace that and personalize it. And become servants of the king. So that is the parent's job. The mom's job. The father's job. To raise their children in that biblical reality. One of the, A popular thing that's been around for decades. And as I thought about this. It just popped into my head. And I just want to talk about it for, for a few minutes. And that is. Um, there, there's, for the last several decades. There's been this idea. Uh, this clever idea. That parents really should not teach their children their faith. They shouldn't jam their faith down the parents, I mean the children's throats and, and make them live out the parents' faith. And the higher, the more noble thing to do is to let your children go out into the world, to let your children explore and discover whatever faith, whatever God they want to worship, if they even want to worship a God. Because then you know it's personal and they take ownership over it because they found it all on their own. And it sounds so lofty and it sounds so wonderful and it's such a terrible idea. 
And I, I hear it coming out of Hollywood all the time. A lot of the movies, they, they put that in there. Oh, no, I wouldn't dare make my child come to church with me or I wouldn't insist or suggest that they worship the same God I do. And that is just so unbiblical. And it is actually so unloving. Yet the world has a way of coating sin, sugarcoating sin to make it sound so delicious. It is absolutely what the Bible calls foolishness. Because if you leave a child to the way that he will choose on his own, he will choose the path of destruction. Now, God is a redeemer and he has mercy and grace. But when you're talking about specific roles of parents, now, if children didn't have parents of faith, that's different or they didn't have parents at all. But when you are the parent, there's a God given charge. He has given you the truth. It's a blessed treasure that you have. And you are constantly 24 seven sharing that those truths with your children because it's reality. The truth is the reality that exists. It's the reality that we live in. And so it's really foolish to to let our children do bad math. When you already know how to do good math, why would we want to do that? It's uncaring. It's it's unloving. We want to teach them what's already been established, because if we're a Christian, we're saying we found the truth. We found it. Jesus Christ is the truth. We found it in God's revealed word. It's the truth. And so I want to give that to my children. God give, gave it to me as a precious gift. I want to give that truth to my children as a precious gift. Now, they do have to choose whether they embrace it or not, whether they love God or not. But we are to teach the truth as opposed to just setting our children in a canoe and say, OK, find your way down the river. I hope whatever you choose serves you well. But no pressure from me to choose the right way and the truth. That's not biblical. The Bible say this is a paddle. Here's what it's used for. If you want to turn right in life, you stroke this way. If you want to turn left, you do this. You can put it behind the canoe. And, and if you see white caps coming, that means life is about to get really fast and there's going to be an adrenaline rush. And it could be really fun if you shoot down the right rapids, but it can be pretty destructive. You don't want to wrap your canoe around a rock. You won't read. You have to learn to read the waters. Right. And sometimes there's only one way to shoot through it. And you and you teach them what the V's mean. You don't just put them in a canoe and say, here, I, I man, I hope you make it. To the pickup point, I'll be waiting at the pickup point. God has something to say to us about that. So we are to use the truths that God has given us, that God uses to wrinkle, to, to iron out the wrinkles in us. And we strive to use God's truth to iron out the wrinkles that our children are born with and apply God's word. So rather than just saying, I hope you choose not to grow up to be a liar. I say, Do, don't lie. I know sometimes it's tempting. I know it seems like it's a real easy way to get out of things. You just lie about it. I know what it sometimes appears to be, but it's not that God tells us. So don't lie. 
There's always destruction at the end of it. It always catches up to you. Don't steal. Don't steal. There's no need for you to spend three years in prison to find out that stealing is wrong. Don't do it. And there's a reason it's wrong. So we've been given the royal treasury of truth. And by the way, the royal the truth for the royal treasury in our bulletin today was in Philippians. An awesome truth that God has given us. And we want to receive these as dads from God, our heavenly father. And we want to give them to our children and teach them. You need grace. I need grace. I need forgiveness. I have flaws. You need grace. You need forgiveness. You have flaws. And we are all dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ for these things. By doing this, we give our kids a huge head start in the faith. As opposed to standing back and leaving them on, the own, on their own. God, it's God's blessing by his covenant mercies for you to be born in a home with parents that know the truth. That gives you a tremendous head start in life. It's a huge blessing because you're already being pointed in the right direction instead of the wrong direction. Then you got to catch up to point true north. It's a covenant blessing because you're surrounded by it before you even know it's true, before you even really have a time to think about it. You're your family's living it. Your parents are living it. And then you find yourself living it. These precious truths that we have. And so we are teaching our children to be warriors of God in the hopes and by faith and trust that that day will come when they will slip in and own it personally. And that's a charge. And that's what we're used to hearing on Father's Day is that. That charge to raise our kids in that way. But I want to make a little transition here. Because also, as we are exercising this institution and this role and this task, fulfilling it before the Lord, as we're striving to do this with all the aches and pains and joys that come with it, there's something else beautiful taking place. And that is that God is schooling us. And God is growing us just as we are trying to grow our children. He is growing us to be more like Christ. So if I were to ask you, what are the the familiar tools that God uses for us to become like Christ? You would say, well, we, we, we certainly need God's word because we need to know what he expects of us and what he's like and what he has spoken And that's a great tool for sanctification. Sanctification meaning that we are conforming our lives to the image of Christ. Because we were born all twisted up. We were born in the wrong shape and pointed in the wrong direction. And and as Christ comes into our lives, we have to push and do the hard work of conforming ourselves and making the right decisions to conform to the image of Christ. What does God use? He uses his word. What are some other things God uses to help us become more like Christ? Well, he uses uh, the church because we need each other. We need each other's eyes and ears to help us along the way because you might see things in my life. I think I'm there and you might speak into my life and say, Pastor Paul, you're not there. I see this in your life. And if you want to be more like Christ, let me suggest this to you. So I need you and you need me. So there's that accountability. There's the body of Christ, the church that we need. God uses that to help us to conform to the image of Christ. Of course, he uses teaching and 
and Bible study. Um, he uses prayer for us. So all the normal disciplines of grace are there. But I want to suggest to you a very, very powerful tool for sanctification. And that is fatherhood. There are few things that can serve to make you more like Christ than parenting in general. But for today, on Father's Day, fatherhood. So let me just make uh, use a few scriptures to set the foundation that we are saved by grace. And then what is God's expectation for us but to conform to the image of Christ? Romans eight twenty eight through 30. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined for what? To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified... He also glorified. So you see, we have been, if you are a child of God, the plan all along was that he would bring you into his family. You're justified by faith. The righteous shall live by faith, Habakkuk. And then living by faith means conforming your lives, changing the things in your life that do not pattern after the word and the truths of God. It's his intention that we're constantly being transformed. Our thoughts, our actions, our behavior. That's how God redeems us and restores us to be his sons. One more verse just to kind of lay the foundation. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace. With which he has blessed us in the beloved. So he chose us before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. So we're not saved by good works, but we're saved to good works. That's the difference between justification and sanctification. We're we're pursuing Christ because he saved us. And we want to be like Christ because he's been so loving and gracious to us. So out of gratitude, we conform our lives to his image. How does that look or how does that happen? Practically speaking. Outside of the disciplines of grace, we know sanctification is taking place right now. Sanctification has taken place this morning as we avail ourselves to the body of Christ, the preaching of his word, the teaching of his word, the encouragement of the saints that spur us on. This is all God's plan of conformity. But it also happens outside the church, happens in the home and it happens when husbands have little babies I, uh, I wished Helmet happy Father's Day this morning. He said, thank you, but I couldn't have done it without Janet. <laughs> Good point, Helmet. 
It's a team effort. Fatherhood is a team effort. It is an institution that will help us become more like Christ. So I want to just point out some areas. Some are the, some of them are the fruits of the Spirit. And as we began to think through this the last several weeks, it's one of those illustrations or examples or thoughts that actually has no end to it. Like you could just think of thousands of ways parenting brings God into your life and transforms you. So I had to kind of just pick and choose what to to present and, and then put an end to it. One characteristic that you can absolutely count on growing in as a father is patience. One of the fruits of the Spirit. Patience. Father, are you patient? God's, my kids are smiling because they know God's really still trying to work with me on that. And that is one of my biggest flaws in patience. And by the way, you think impatience is like this innocent thing. It's not really a big sin. Impatience is pretty brutal. It's always messing my life up because I, I got impatient with something. Not, not just my, my children, but anything like a motor or a lawnmower. Or things that don't go my way. Patience is absolutely required to be a dad and, it, and God wants it to grow on our tree, our fruit tree. And it's perhaps the most tested characteristic. It comes to us maybe on a daily basis. There are opportunities to grow in patience with Christ in the school of fatherhood. And it comes at all phases, not just when the kids are small, but also when they're grown and even when they are on their own. It may begin, the training of patience and fatherhood may, be, may begin with the baby who's crying, the little infant, maybe a week old. And your baby's just crying for no apparent reason and crying and crying and crying in the middle of the night when you're already sleep deprived and crying and crying and crying or at the changing of a diaper when you just changed a dirty diaper, that chocolate pancake. And now you have another diaper to change and then another diaper to change and then another diaper to change. Do they ever end? No, take stock in pampers or huggies. Or it may come at the potty training stage when you got to clean another puddle up off the floor or another put up or put more dirty laundry in the wash. Or it may come when those random temper temper tantrums come from your kids out of nowhere. They just decide I'm taking my stand on this. And throw a fit right in the grocery store in public when you have to decide what kind of father you're going to be, what kind of discipline you will exercise. That requires patience. It may come that day they decide, I'm going to test all the mom and dad's rules today. Today's the day. I'm just going to test them all. Whatever you've put in writing, whatever you've told me, I'm testing it. I'm pushing it. I'm breaking it. It requires patience or I'm just not going to do the chores that are mine. I'm not going to do them. I'll let somebody else do them or you can do them. I'm not taking out the trash. That's not my job anymore. Or when they use too much Internet, too much data, when you have limited data on your Internet, they just use it all up. You warn and you warn and you warn and they use and they enjoy it and they enjoy it. And it's not there. 
for you or one you've said, look, it's you. Eight hours is enough on that video game. It's time to get up and move and get the blood pumping and go outside. There's things to be done. And they will try our patience in these areas or when they turn 16 and automatically know how to drive better than you. I got this. I know these things. Or when they perhaps graduate or they're, they're in high school and they decide I'm setting my own curfew now. I got my license. I'm of age. And I, I think I can manage to realize when I actually need to go to bed at night in order to wake up at a certain time in the morning. I got this, too. Or I'm old enough now where I don't I think I should decide for myself how important family events are, and what I need to attend. And all these things that we've instilled in our kids or tried to instill in our children, they will be tested and tried and patience will be called upon on our part. And so, yeah, it's hard. But the good news is God's working in you, Dad, through all of those trials and all of those tests of patience. He is forming in you. That's his goal anyway. He's not wanting to form in you a even hotter temper. He's wanting to form in you that gentleness and the kindness, but the patience. Another thing that you can assure yourself of to grow in as a father is humility. It comes with the trade. It's like the moment you realize your child arrives, your children arrive, and you're so excited. And then you realize, um, what am I going to do with this? Am I really equipped? Wow. God just entrusted to me. He just entrusted to me this little package that can't do anything on its own. How am I going to keep this thing alive? How am I? I mean, I struggled as a kid. How am I supposed to to teach this child to praise and worship God, to be to be a good kid, to be a person of faith that lives before the Lord? Do I have what it takes? And the answer is yes and no. In some ways, you do have what it takes and God equips those he calls. But we are never equipped to the point where we shouldn't need God anymore. We always need God and dad's. You already know this. You will blow it. And it's humbling. It's humbling to mess up. It's humbling to blow it. And I know we're used to having all the solutions at work. You know, whatever job we have, they bring us these things and we look at them. Oh, yeah, that's what we need to do. I got the solution for that. I got the plan for this. I can fix it. But there's things with our children that just don't work quite that way. And you blow it and you make a bad call. You misdiscern a cry. You think, oh, I know that cry. They're, they're okay and they're not okay. Maybe they are hurt. Or maybe they're starving to death. The nipple was clogged up and they didn't get anything to eat in the bottle. Sometimes you trust. You're going to make bad calls. You trust, man. Okay, my infant's on the couch and I got just enough time to run to the kitchen, get the potato chips, come back. And before my there's no way that he can roll off the couch in that amount of time. And so you make the call and thump. you blew it. 
There'll be times when we wrongly extend grace, when that was the time to be firm. That's the that was the teaching moment right there. And you blew it. Oh, it's okay. Grace. And then there's other times where we were so firm. This is the teaching moment, man. This is where I'm going to change you for good. And we should have offered an extended grace. We're, we're going to mix it up. We're going to blow it. About the time we think we're prepared for it, we're often brought the lowest. We might make bad calls. We, we might tell our daughters, well, yeah, okay, you can date that guy or you can spend time with that guy. Bad call. Bad call. We might say to our sons, yeah, that's a good first job for you. You need to be making money. Bad call, bad group of people, bad, bad atmosphere. And we may fail to equip them for what's ahead or we just might be out of touch. We might check out a lot of dads check out. And then we're not in touch with our kids and what's going on. Fatherhood teaches us we are flawed beings and we need God's grace and we need God's power. and We need God's help and we need God's instruction. That's that's humbling because we don't want we want to always be in charge and always be be right and know the answers. So keep up the good work. It's working. Humility is coming upon you, dads, through your fatherhood as you rely on God. Another important Christian act, um, characteristic is to be selfless. It's something that God is constantly desiring to work in us, Philippians 2, 3 and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others as better than yourselves. And each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's fatherhood. And that starts with marriage. As soon as you get married, you realize the covenant you made means I am not my own. My life is not my own. My time is not my own. My money's not my own. Everything about me. Is not my own. And when children come along the way, it's the same thing. Everything needs to be shared and it becomes a giving project. You're giving, you're serving, you're giving, you're serving. Of course, you're taking, hopefully taking joy in that because who wouldn't want to lift up the people you love and to serve the people you love? But it's a course in selflessness. Life is not just about us. It will make us humble. And parenting helps us die to self. How many times, dads, have you had to just die to self? You had a plan. You had a goal. You had a schedule. And you had to die to self for the sake of those that have been given under your charge for the sake of those that you love. So you come home from a hard day of work. And whatever your routine is, you just can't wait to, to relax in that easy chair or to, to turn the TV on and veg, whatever your routine is. You're, it's been a tough day and you want nothing more than peace and quiet. And here come the kids shooting out the door. One of them's got a baseball bat. One of them's got a glove. The other one's got the ball. It's time. They can't wait for you. You, you don't have energy in you. You got to sometimes you got to pull it out and find it. They're excited. It's a good thing. To greet you like that. You, you, you skipped lunch at work. It was a busy day. And uh, you, you come home thinking, 
man, I just want food on the table. And there's a project to do. Something the kids, maybe they broke something. Or one of them needs a lecture or discipline or something productive. It's the last thing in the world you want to have to deal with. Selflessness. Die to self. We, we executed all of our dad duties like a pro, say. Kids are washed up. They're in the bed. They're asleep. And you got it all planned out. It's popcorn time. It's movie time. House is quiet. And your teenager comes down and needs to talk. Just needs to talk. You already talked about it a hundred times. What are you going to do? Man, is this, is this me time or... Ah. Dying to self. Those days come. And these are all opportunities to serve the Lord by serving our children. Our life is not our own. Fatherhood will teach you that every day. I don't know that I can list a single day where I didn't have to make a decision to die to self in my fatherhood. And that's, but then we have the joy of watching them thrive because we're giving all that we have to them our time, our money, our resources. Whatever it is, we get to use this to, to lift them up and to watch our children grow and thrive. Yes, at our expense. Sound like the gospel, doesn't it? At our expense, at our sacrifice, our kids grow. And sometimes that's the only way they're going to grow. It's the only way they're going to shoot up. is when you go beyond and you die to self. Another characteristic that's important to God for us is... To be grateful, you know, gratitude, gratefulness, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus to be filled with gratitude. That's the will of the Lord. First Thessalonians five eighteen, and fatherhood actually helps to open our eyes to the thousands of things that we can be grateful for. And children are certainly one of them. And the things that they help bring into our lives expand our minds. And we find ourselves just so grateful for the gifts that God has given us. We, we find ourselves, you know, we'll, we'll thank our God for our children. But then it, it dominoes because then you think about your parents. You thank God for your parents and their impact. And then the grandparents. And you thank God for all the people that are helping you in your parenting Helping your children thrive. And there's so many people that invest in your children. You thank them for the church. You know, somebody in the church, you get that my, my, my child got a, a birthday card they weren't expecting or just a note of encouragement for somebody in the church or somebody spoke words of affirmation over them. And you're so grateful for the resources that God pulls in to help your children grow in Christ. And so children open our eyes to things to be grateful for. And then we find ourselves just thanking God. I, ha I have your provision to put food on the table. Or thank you for my job so that I can put clothes on their back. So thank you that I can pay for this schooling that they need. Or I can squirrel some money for a college education. And all, God is involved in all of our parenting efforts like that. And he is the great provider. And so children open our eyes to all the things that God is doing that we can be grateful for. So gratitude skyrockets when we realize the incredible provider 
that God often is. And then, and then our children are, are gifts. Sometimes you look at them and they're just so cute they couldn't be any cuter. And you just, your heart's warmed. Sometimes you look at them and they're just so stubborn. And your heart's warmed because just like daddy, so stubborn. What an honor to have a child just like me. Or you see the resolve or the goodness in all of these things. But children just fill our hearts with gratitude. There's a piece of a letter um, <clears throat> taken out of a 2016 autobiography of a father, a man, and he was dying. And um, his name was Paul Kalanathi. And he was dying of lung cancer. And before he died, he wrote this to his daughter. He says, when you come to one of the many moments in life, when you must give an account of yourself, provide a ledger of what you've been, what you've done, what you've meant to the world, do not, I pray, discount that you filled a dying man's days with a sated joy. A joy unknown to me in all my prior years. A joy that does not hunger for more and more, but rests, satisfies in this time right now. That is an enormous thing. He's, he's just saying, you know, I know the world has expectations for you to become certain things. But just know that you, just as you were, brought joy to my life. You were one of the greatest joys that I had in my life. And so as we realize the miracles, the miracle of life that God literally just sets into our arms here, dad, here. What a joyful, joyful thing. And it's a privilege to be a part of that. We, we get to parent. We get to be dads. We get to, we get to share our beds with the kids coming in on Saturday mornings, jumping in. We get to do these things. We get to, to buy groceries for them. We get to feed them. We get to put clothes on their back. We get to take them from field to field for, to sport, to sport and activity to activity. We get to share our money with them. We get to share our sorrows and our joy and our laughter with them. It's an honor. It's a privilege to which we are so grateful. And then fifth, trust, faith, trust. Think about the faith of Moses' parents, Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. They floated him down the river. Talk about trust and faith. Why do parents have to Dads in particular, in particularly, who are the protectors. Why do they have to trust God? Because you can't be there all the time, can you? You ever feel that stretch? You ever feel that pull, that ache? You want to be here because one child's there and you want to be here, but another one's over here. You can't be everywhere at the same time because you're not God. And because you're not God, you have to trust God who is there. Trust God who actually cares and loves your children more than you do. It's, fatherhood is, requires tremendous faith and tremendous trust. I mean, 
You want to go to school the first day of school with your kid because they're ready, but you're not. And you want to just hover them. You want to be their shadows wherever they go or when they launch out to the mission field and you know it's dangerous. I, I want to be there with you, but I can't be there and be here at the same time. Or what, what do you do when one child's in the hospital sick and there's others to take care of? You just can't do it all. You are not meant to be that independent. You were meant to do fatherhood as you are trusting and depending on your heavenly father because he's overall. He's the papa of the family. He's the great protector and we just serve him as we can. And I know it's tension there because it's our job to protect. And yet there you can't be there all the time. So what's the answer? What do you do with that? You have to trust God. You got to know him. Enough to be able to trust him in that way. As we learn that in fatherhood will most certainly Teach us that. And as we are trusting him, we're what? We're becoming more like Christ who submitted his whole life and plan to his heavenly father. Not my will, but yours be done. Another one is integrity and virtue. And I could go a lot of different directions in this, but I'm going to take this direction. And that is when you become a father, you realize all of a sudden little eyes are watching me. They are watching everything I say and the way I say it. And they know what I just came from and the conversation I'm in. And so what I say, they're going to know if it's true or not. As a matter of fact, our children often mimic what we do. It's by design, by the way. And it can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. Has, have your children ever said something mimicking you in public that you think, oh, my goodness. Does your three year old ever say, I need another beer. If I just had another beer, life would be so good. <laughs> or something to the effect. And we realize we got to step it up. We, our standard of living, our standard of holiness and godliness, it's too low, man. I've I've accepted because if I'm going to pass, I don't want to pass this low standard on to my kids. Well, I've accepted it for myself and I've excused myself, but I can't have my kids lying. I can't have my kids stealing. So what do you got to do? You got to step it up. You got to become a man of integrity, a person of truth. You got to let your words matter. As the old poem goes, a careful man, I want to be a little fellow follows me. So what an opportunity to to step this and. Up in, it's, it's an increase in motivation to be reliable, to be dependable, to keep our word and to say what we what we mean. And another one is uh, exercising authority, uh, management, assertiveness, whatever you want to call it. That's what dads are called to in fatherhood. First Timothy three, four. He must manage his own household. Well, now this is a qualification for an overseer, but. It plays into fatherhood. You've got to make it through fatherhood and succeed in fatherhood to a certain level to be able to succeed in ministry. And so he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. So you, you can't remain passive and apathetic and be a good father or a godly father at the same time. The word of God charges dads to say, you are in charge. I have put this on your shoulder. This household is yours. 
These children are your gifts. You've got to, to, to get, set the boundaries. You can't just let things happen. You set the boundaries according to the truths that I have given into your hands. You've got to step it up. You've got to feel this responsibility and live in it. And this is something that's really being eaten away in our culture. Where dads are belittled in this whole idea of actually having a, a, a plan and being in charge and managing your household and being assertive. It, it's just not looked upon in a very high light. And yet, right in Scripture, we find it as God's expectation. It's not to be abusive. That's not the kind of authority. It's not to be a tyrant. It's servant leadership. It's servant leadership, but it's still leadership. I mean, Jesus washed Peter's feet, but he took charge, didn't he? Because Peter said, whoa, you're not doing that. He said, yes, I am. It's servant leadership. It's taking charge. It's doing and making sure the things that need to happen, happen. And fatherhood will do that for us. Also, the last two are one thing it will build into us is a sense of all. Psalm 33, 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And there is nothing like a child that can continue to remind us of how awesome life is. How awesome this world is that God created for us to live in. Because the older we get, the more we lose sight of it. We've experienced so many things. But just watch a child unwrap a present. Look at the joy that exudes. Look at the newness. Watch them examine a toy they've never played with. Just a simple toy. The awe and the wonder that goes into it. We want, and we want children around us because they excite us. And they, they remind us of how incredible and beautiful life is. Just catch, catch them staring at a butterfly. They just never really paid attention to one before, but they're able to get close to one another and just they are enthralled at the colors and the way it flies. This this they have a sense of all that we need. So as we're involved in their lives, we can reap that benefit and draw from them this beautiful wonder and all that children have. They get so excited about the simplest things and we can be excited with them. They're so curious about things. And then lastly, um, not a fruit of the spirit, but joy is a fruit of the spirit. And so humor, I'm throwing it in there, a sense of humor. Fatherhood means that sometimes you just have to learn to relax and laugh and let things go. Because your kids are going to bring those moment in, moments into your life where you got to make a choice. Am I going to get all anxious and twisted up and grumpy and be crotchety or am I going to just be like ah let it come I'm just going to laugh at this so you're changing your little boy's diaper you know and the diaper's off and then the fire hose goes off and it makes a mess in the house you know what are you going to do you just got to laugh sometimes things are just funny sometimes they happen at the worst time you can imagine or when your child literally walks up the Center aisle of the church with no pants on. Needing help. What are you going to do? You're going to laugh or you're going to cry. Laugh or cry. These moments happen. And I think sometimes we just have to, we just have to laugh 
at these kind of things. When your child, and I have seen this, and I'm not saying whose child it was, but yeah, you happen to walk out, church is over, you're in the front yard, and there's one of the boys with his using the tree as the bathroom. <laughs> what are you going to do? Country boys. Or when you come home and your children decide to surprise you with a birthday cake and your kitchen is just a mess. The house is a mess. Stuff, you, you got three hours of extra work. But they're so excited to bless you with this thing called a cake. They're so excited. You, sometimes we just have to laugh. We have to take the moment as moments of joy. God-given moments of joy. Just a sense of humor. You can't stay tight as dads. you got to let things go some of the time. And God will use that to bring joy into our lives. So... I just want this to be an encouragement to you, dads. Keep up the good work. If you are exhibiting these, God is wanting to make you more and more like Christ because we were put on this earth to lift up the name of Christ and fatherhood will enable you to do that. Happy Father's Day.